You might have okay boomered your grandparents when they started talking about dividend investing, but it's also a great way to grow your retirement portfolio now through compounding and a great way to generate income while you're in retirement, lying in blue chairs or flip-flopping around P-Town. Today, we host Joseph Hogue of the Let's Talk Money YouTube channel about dividend investing. Joseph is an OG when it comes to investing and the personal finance world. After serving in the Marine Corps, Joseph started his career investing in real estate before becoming an investment analyst analyst for some of the biggest firms out there today. He's also appeared on Bloomberg and CNBC as an investment expert and has published 10 books in personal finance. This is Queer Money, episode 396. Let's get on with the show. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Well, welcome to the show, Joseph Hogue. We appreciate you being with us. John, David, it's great talking to you again. Thank you for having me. Definitely. So folks, you know that we do this series on investing on a regular basis. And John and I have been a little bit more active on Twitter recently. And one of the things that we're seeing a lot of people talk about is dividend investing, whether they're using that as a way of building a retirement portfolio or individuals are using that as a way for passive income. And actually, Joseph, maybe you could answer this question too. But a lot of people are now looking at dividends as a way to build up an income stream, whether it's for their everyday expenses or for retirement. So we wanted to, to talk about this subject because it's actually something John and I haven't done and are a little bit more interested in doing now because we hear other people talking about it. So Joseph, we brought you on as an expert in investing and we appreciate it. So let's start off the, the discussion with what are dividends? Really, what is a dividend and how... How do they work? Something my grandfather sure. talks about. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, you know, dividends are just a, a return of a return of profits to investors, right? When you invest in a stock or invest in a company, you you own a share of the future earnings, right? And when those earnings come along, then the company's management can say, "Hey, you know, we we can either keep these earnings and invest in future growth of the company, or you know, we can we can reward those investors with a share of those earnings and, and return some of that cash to investors." And that's what dividends are. They're just a return of some of your investment or, or a return on your investment from those earnings paid out in cash. Yeah, exactly, folks. This is actually something that not. The companies of all sizes do, right? I mean, it's it's not just large corporations that are paying out dividends. John and I are a two-man team on, in our business, and some of the money that we make actually is passed through to us as a dividend from our company. So companies of all sizes oh, wow. can, can do this, right? So, so what are some of the benefits then of a dividend? Sure. Well, one of the benefits we're seeing right now is that 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 dividend is always a positive return, right? Even when the stock prices fall, as they've had been over the past year, then you're always receiving that positive cash return from dividends. So it is a positive return. It is an immediate cash return. You know, on a lot of stocks that don't pay dividends, you have to wait until you sell that stock to, to get any kind of a return. So it's nice to, and it's motivating to be able to collect that cash while you invest in a stock. A lot of investors love that motivation to see when those dividends hit their account and 
and it really keeps them saving and, and investing more. It's also a kind of a spending discipline on management, right? We talked about how management has that decision to return some of the cash to investors as a dividend or keep some of for growth. So they are boards of directors and management knows that once they start a dividend, investors are going to count on that dividend, are going to rely on it. So cutting a dividend is, you know, something similar to putting your mom to work in the coal mines, right? It is a sacrilege. So so they take that seriously and they know that okay if we're if we're paying out this dividend and it's got to stay at least stay the same payment every year or even increase then we can't spend quite as much on those those vanity projects that management loves to spend on so it is some some cash discipline for management it's also just an opportunity to compound your returns right for those of us that are aren't living off of our portfolios or our dividends yet we can reinvest those dividends earn money on our money and it's a great way to build your portfolio. I remember working the phones at Charles Schwab when I first started there. And I remember there would be some people who would call like almost religiously every day, every quarter. What are my dividends? Did my dividends pay out? Why didn't my hit dividends hit my account? Usually they were retirees. I don't want to like categorize a whole bunch of people, but they're always older people. They're just mad that their dividends weren't what they thought or didn't arrive on time. Right. Well, they, <laughs> they, they were waiting for them to hit their account because they the reality is, is that there are some people who have an investing strategy that let literally is the dividend payment is their paycheck, right? Sure, it's, sure, it, yeah. it is the way that they get paid and they live their monthly expenses on. So you mentioned this idea of the dividend being paid annually or it being paid out by the board of directors. Is there some sort of like required structure around dividends? How do they get paid out? Sure. Well, there's not necessarily a requirement or a required structure. Uh, most of them pay out four times a year. So every three months, the board of directors, which is kind of the management of the management of the company, right? They will get together and they'll they'll say, okay, they'll work with management and say, okay, how much cash flow do we have? What was our dividend in the past? Can we increase it or do we want to keep it the same? And they'll so, so they'll set a payment, a per share payment of dividends that they're going to have for this quarter. Then they'll set the ex-dividend date. And this is very important. This is probably the most important date for a dividend stock. The ex-dividend date is the first day that the dividend trades without or the stock trades without the dividend. Okay. So if you if you're looking at a dividend stock, you want to buy that, you want to get that next dividend that comes out, then you have to own that stock the at least the day before that ex-dividend date, right? Because the board of directors is going to say, okay, you know what? We're going to pay this dividend. We're going to pay it to everyone that owns the stock on this day. So that'll be the day before the ex-dividend date. That day after, the dividend's already paid out. You know, Technically, it's already paid out to all the investors that day before. And then they'll also set a payment date, which is usually about two weeks after that ex-dividend date. You know, Just gives time for, for clearing and figure out who those investors actually were. And that's when the dividend actually hits your account and you see that money. But so the ex-dividend date, very important to own the shares before that date if you want that dividend. Now, even if you buy the dividend on that date or buy the stock on that date or after, you're still going to get the dividend, you know, in future payments, you know, every three months when they declare another one. Gotcha. So I know we're talking about dividend investing in part as an additional income stream for folks. How and I know you talked about, you know, not issuing the dividends if you've already committed to it, it's tantamount to putting grandma out in the field. How how reliant though is, how reliant is it to, to get my dividend and to get a predictable dividend return so I can sure. expect quarter after quarter what my income is going to be to make sure I can cover my expenses? Sure, sure. Well, and like like you talked about, there are a lot of investors 
that depend on those dividends for their for their paycheck, you know, for their living expenses, especially retirees. So so it is a sacrilege to to cut those dividends. So a lot of a lot of companies they will plan their cash needs out years in advance to be able to set that dividend. And, and so it's very much very 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 rare that somebody will cut a dividend. In fact, there are stocks that pride themselves on 50 plus years of increasing dividend payments. So every year they increase the dividend payment a little bit. Those are called the dividend kings. There's also the dividend aristocrats, which is 25 plus years of increasing dividend payments. So there are a lot of companies out there that pride themselves on that cash return and not just holding the dividend steady, but increasing it as well. You talked about this ex-dividend date. I know I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but I, you mentioned that it's a really important thing to to keep in mind. And folks, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I also was on the phones taking calls from individuals and would get these calls asking what's the ex-dividend date or why did the stock price drop so much? And the, can we talk a little bit about what, how do dividends payouts affect a stock price or how do dividends in general affect a stock price? Sure, sure. Well, it, it can get really technical. You know, the theory is that a stock's price should fall by exactly the same amount as the dividend when that dividend gets paid out, right? Because if you think about it, you know, as an investor, you own all the future earnings of that company. Well, if they return some of those earnings to investors as a dividend, then those earnings are no longer available for growth in the future, right? Mm -hmm. And so if that dividend has been taken out of its earnings, paid out to investors, then, you know, future investors, they, should, they shouldn't be paying for that dividend that just got paid out. And that's the theory. It really doesn't happen exactly like that. A lot of times, you know, stocks will, will even go up, you know, when their dividend is paid just because investors have that reminder that it is a good dividend paying stock. So it doesn't really work in theory. I will tell you that just because it has lower, you know, lower earnings kept aside for growth, then dividend paying stocks tend to tend to appreciate less than other companies, right? If you've got a company keeping all of its earnings, reinvesting that into future growth versus another one that's taking 50% of its earnings out and, and paying that out as a cash dividend to investors, it's naturally going to have less opportunities for growth. So that can tend to hold the share price down a little bit. Often dividend investors really don't care because they care more about that dividend and that cash payment. But there is there is a trade-off, especially with dividend stocks that pay a very high yield. You know, if they're paying 60 or 70% of their earnings to investors as that dividend and they're only holding back 20 or 30%, then obviously that is going to very, very much hold the growth and the potential for the stock price to rise back on that on that stock. Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ community, through access to credit, tools to manage debt, and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. Sure. I would think a follow-up question then would be, why would a company choose one path over the other, reinvesting the, their, you know, its earnings back into the business for growth or issuing dividends? What's the, what are the pros and cons of both? Do you know? Sure. Sure. Well, the biggest reason is just 
for opportunities, right? Opportunities for growth. You know, a lot of companies and in, in, in certain industries, utilities is, is a very good example. There's just limited opportunities for growth in the utilities field, right? They are, it's a regulated, regulated industry. There's only so much electricity people are going to need, right? And so they don't have as many growth projects that they, that they could invest in. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're going to return a lot of that to investors. Energy, energy stocks, oil stocks are another good example. You know, they're looking out 10, 20 years and seeing very much lower oil demand, that shift in energy transformation. So they're going to be, instead of, you know, investing in these new oil fields that are going to cost billions of dollars and maybe not even pay out in the future, they're going to, they're going to return that to investors now as a cash dividend. So it's really that trade-off between, okay, what are our opportunities for growth? Can we take some of that money instead and pay it out to investors? A lot of companies, again, though, just pride themselves on those dividends. There's a lot of dividend investors that are dyed-in-wool dividend cheerleaders, and they will invest in a stock if it pays a high dividend. So a lot of, lot of companies just kind of target that as a, as a strategy to draw investors. Yeah. You mentioned this term, high dividend. What is what does that mean? I mean, I think we're we're kind of going into this territory of what's a, what is a yield, dividend yield, right? When because it is funny, folks. Sometimes when you look at these dividends and you think to yourself, "This is a high dividend," and it's paying six and a quarter cents per share, and you're <laughs> like, "That doesn't seem like a high amount of money." Sure. Sure. <laughs> so how do you, let's how talk do you pay about the bills, right? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. The, the dividend yield, it all, all comes down to that, right? It is the dividend yield is the dividend paid. So on an annual basis, it's always on an annual basis. Very important. Dividend paid divided by the share price, right? So if a company pays, let's say a $2 dividend and it's a hundred dollar stock, then that is a 2% yield. Okay. It is paying you know, if you, you think about it as you invested a hundred dollars in the stock, you get $2 back each year that is two percent return on your money right now of course the dividend yields is going to change it's going to change depending on where the stock price goes if that hundred dollar stock jumps up to 200 and they keep their dividend at two dollars that's now a one percent yield okay so it's so you're still getting that two percent or that two dollar dividend but since the stock price has changed then that new return on your money on your two hundred dollar stock is now only one percent a lot of math probably only interesting to, to math nerds like myself but very important, right? Like we said, most dividend stocks pay out four times a year. So that $2 dividend stock is going to be pay out in 50 cent increments, right? So you're going to get 50 cents every four months, every three months, add up to a $2 a year. Now it's very spend important. spend that all in one place. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you've got a lot of shares, then, then it can be, it can be some money, but it, it is a little misleading sometimes you know, investors, investors think they're not, not really earning much. Very important though, to not just chase those higher dividend yields, right? Some stocks, you know, paying out yields of eight, 10, 12% and investors just flock to those before they realize that, okay, you know what, does this mean that the company is paying out so much, so much return that it's not holding anything back for, for growth? It's not, not even, maybe not even holding back enough out to support the company and is going to have to cut that dividend. So a lot of times, you know, if a dividend is so high, it's, it's above, you know, eight or 9% and it sounds too good to be true. It probably is. So, which is, which is why I kind of recommend you know, dividend stocks. If you're really focused on dividends, staying within that, you know, three or 4% up to maybe 7% realm, okay. that's going to be, you know, a, a reasonable return on dividend stocks. 
plus you know some kind of a, a stock price growth as well. Yeah. So, what type of investors should start thinking about investing in dividend stocks? Sure. How do I know that I might be a candidate for for this kind of a strategy? Sure. Well, I think one, it's it's a good investment for any type of investor, right? Whether even if you're you're one of these meme stock investor that just wants to get rich on stocks over the next week, then you know it's always good to have a little bit of a a diversification, right? We call it, or a little spread your risk out a little bit. So so when your shares of you know AMC don't take off and shoot the moon, then then you still have those dividends coming in. I, why why are you laughing, John? This is you know. I mean, aren't we all? You know, ape millionaires by now, <laughs> but no, it's it's just a good idea to have you know some some dividend stocks to, you know, to get that positive cash flow, but that positive cash return, like we talked about, this guaranteed cash return. But they also tend to be, you know, obviously if you think about why that company is paying those dividends, because they have fewer growth opportunities, maybe they're a more mature business. You know, it, they also tend to be the value stocks, the stocks in those safer sectors like consumer staples, like utilities. So it is, it's just a very good, a good way to spread out your risk with, you know, some of the, the tech stocks and the internet stocks that we all love for that, you know, make me rich kind of idea. <laughs> so that's important, obviously, for, for retirees or anybody approaching retirement and mm-hmm. wants to just live off those dividends. Great way to do it. You know, the, like I said, those, those dividends are sacrosanct for, for companies and, are very reliable, very dependable on for the most part, and you can actually just live off your dividends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. a lot of people do reinvest their dividends back in to gr- grow their share value, or sure, their, their, sure. their ownership value. Yeah, that is that is the most important thing to do. If you're if you're not living off those dividends, if you don't need that income, then sure, reinvest it and make more make money off your money. Right, hundred percent, definitely. So, well, just want to throw something in here since we talked about dividend payouts. And the difference between a dividend payout when it's in an, an, a tax-deferred, tax-free account or a taxable account. So if it's, in, if it's in a retirement account of some sort, your dividend gets paid out. And because it's in that retirement account, you don't have to pay taxes on it. But <sighs> David, you're you, stealing my thunder. Man, yeah. <laughs> one of the most important things. One of the most important things to, to, to remember too. Right. <laughs> but if no, it's, it's, it's you, you're saying it right there. It's so important to prioritize your dividends, dividend stocks into those retirement accounts because you're, you're, you're going to save on the taxes, right? If you, if you receive a dividend in a taxable account, a regular brokerage account, even if you reinvest that money, if you don't take it, even if you take it out, it doesn't matter. If you receive a dividend each year, you're going to get a 1099 from your broker. They're going to show all the dividends that you received from a company, and you're going to have to pay taxes on those. Now, you know dividends are taxed at a little bit lower rate than income if you hold them for long enough. If you hold them for sixty days, then but but you're still getting taxed, and you no longer have the ability to make money on that money, right? Whereas if you hold them in a retirement account, then you don't pay taxes until you take the money out. So you can you're going to keep that entire dividend there. You're going to reinvest it and grow tax free. Yeah. So that's that's definitely an important point because I, I remember talking with clients when I was a broker and having to explain that idea of, well, I got paid a dividend, but but I just reinvested it. Why am I having to pay taxes on this? I just put it right back into the company. But the government looks at it as the same. You either took the $500 and went off and bought Beyonce tickets, or you took the $500 and you went and bought 
more shares of Apple. If you want to sit in nosebleed, David, <laughs> it's more expensive. More than this year. <laughs> but the government looks at it. You got $500. We need our portion, whether you decided to, well, they don't care what you decide to buy. They just want their portion of it. Right. Even if it's going back. Greatest takers in company. history. Yeah. <laughs> US government. <laughs> hey, Americans love to spend. Why do you think Uncle Sam would be any different? Yeah, <laughs> right. No exactly. idea, right? right. Yeah. So I I don't if I'm investing in dividend stocks, I don't know it. So I had to do my research for this for this episode. I did see from what I did did read that it looks like dividend yields are declining. Is that true? And if so, does that still make dividend investing a, a viable strategy? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know, if dividends Yields have been declining. It's only a matter of because stock prices have been going up, right? And and those those payments that the board the board of directors uh, is is deciding on haven't kept up with those stock prices, right? You know, if stock prices again, if that one hundred dollar stock goes up to two hundred dollars, but that two two dollar dividend stays the same, then yeah, you're getting a lower yield on that. Over the last year, though, I, I'd say dividends yields have actually been increasing. Just because you know stock prices have been coming down, and, and again, you know, even when the stock price comes down, the the board of directors, that company, is loath to cut that dividend. So they will, you know, a lot of companies, even if when they get into trouble, cash flow trouble, they will borrow debt, or cut spending in other areas before they cut that dividend, or do a reorg, yes. <laughs> or do a reorg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's it is a kind of an interesting idea here. You talk about the fact that. The increase in a stock's price, unless they increase the dividend as well, the yield, the dividend yield will drop. So to make that company's dividend and the company itself attractive as it's increasing in price, that may be one of the reasons why you have these dividend aristocrats or dividend kings because they, they have had consistently their stock price has consistently grown over the decades and they want to just match that or keep that dividend at something that's attractive to people. Sure. Sure. They know, they know that, you know, for a dividend, for many dividend investors, it is very important to get a certain yield on their stock. So, so they tend to try to keep it up, you know, keep it up with the stock price, which of course can run into trouble if they're, if they go a little bit overboard on that, you know, if that stock price doubles again, and you know, they're trying to keep that same dividend, can they, can they double their dividend payment to $4 and still in the future be able to meet that dividend payment? So what we saw, what we've seen in a lot of, a lot of energy stocks, a lot of energy companies over the last year that, you know, over last in 2022, when oil prices went through the roof, right? On the invasion of Ukraine went to 100 $120 a barrel then a lot of oil companies i mean they just you know doubled or tripled even their their dividend and now they're seeing as oil prices come down they're seeing we we might not have the cash flow to pay those dividends so it can be it can be trouble for a company you always want to look for the history of dividends uh, history of dividend cuts and, and growth in you know something like yahoo finance get find it very easily with the historical data tab you can see all the dividend payments they've paid out and, and whether they've grown or whether they've been cut and look for those companies that have yeah. grown or that have increased their dividends for you know decades absolutely so as with most investing concepts or strategies there is the simple way to do it and then there's the like super complicated way to do it right and so what are some simple ways to do it i mean like do i have to sit there and study stocks you know okay so there's there's 
thousands of stocks and hundreds of them are paying dividends. And do I have to figure out which ones are the aristocrats? And is there an easier way? Should I focus on one? What should I do? Sure, sure. Well, you know, I I think it gets to to the heart of investing, right? That I always recommend having at least 50 or 60% of your money just in ETFs, right? Exchange traded funds. Those are the funds that hold hundreds or even thousands of stocks, holding a lot of those, the majority of your money actually. And so your risk is just spread out across so many com- companies. You really don't have to worry about any kind of damage to one company or, or not. It's not going to hurt your portfolio. That's a great way to get into these themes like dividend investing. And then, you know, with the, with the remaining 30 or 40% of your money, you can pick individual stocks if you want. I don't want anybody to feel, you know, pressured or like they have to invest in individual stocks because it's really just not necessary, you know? So, so within that, you know, in the in the ETF portion, there's some great ETFs for dividend dividend investors. There is the the dividend aristocrats fund, which again holds those companies that are part of the S and P 500. So they're already one of the 500 largest companies in the United States, but they've also been increasing their dividends for 25 plus years, right? So great history nice. of commitment to that dividend. That is the dividend aristocrats fund. That's ticker NOBL doesn't pay a very high dividend yield, but obviously it's consistent and it consistently grows. Another one I like is the Schwab Equity Income ETF. That's ticker SCHD. Pays a little bit higher dividend yield than the than the NOBL. Doesn't have that history of dividend growers, but most of the companies in there, they're very, very large companies. They've increased their dividend consecutively over decades. And it's very safe fund as well. Within those individual stocks, you know, you just go with go with the the companies you love and the ones that maybe just happen to pay a dividend, right? It's it's more about which companies you think have a real competitive advantage in their industry and are growing their revenue, growing their earnings, because of course that's going to be eventually, you know, as they grow those earnings, that's going to be more and more dividends. Sure, you touched on this a bit. Which industries tend to have bigger payouts than others? Sure, sure. Well, again, it's going to be those with maybe a little bit less growth. It's going to be those that are more mature companies, value companies. So it's going to be companies like utilities in the utility sector. It's going to be consumer staples, those food packaging, processing, and food companies. It's going to be things like that. going to be energy companies, all pay very high dividends as well. The ones you won't necessarily find a lot of dividend stocks in, though you will find some, are going to be like technology, uh, communication services is, is a little bit different because it's telecom and internet stocks. So telecom stocks like AT&T, Verizon, some great dividend payers, while the internet stocks in that sector, not so much. So yeah, you know, telecom, energy stocks, consumer staples stocks, and utility stocks. How, how do you find that ESG stocks do with distributing dividends? Are they less or more so? You know, I really haven't seen a lot of data on that. You know, I think I think if they're if they're really committed to that idea of governance, then you know they should be committed to some kind of a, a shareholder cash return as well. Yeah, the social aspects it's really it's really hard because it's it really depends on how they're defining that you know environmental, social, and governance. You know whether right. whether they hold hold that cash return as part of that as important. Gotcha. Yeah. You'll probably see that an ESG portfolio or ETF has some dividend paying stocks in it, but not all of them are probably that way. Mm-hmm. Because I, I guess, you know, to a certain degree, it seems like more companies that are a little bit newer companies seem to be on the 
pushing for E or aligning themselves with ESG, which means they're probably still in that growth mode. Whereas you have some of these consumer staples that you mentioned, like, you know, like Unilever, I think is, uh, is a company that's been around for over a hundred years. AT&T has been around for over a hundred years. These are companies that have been around for a long, long, long time. And they have that they probably don't have as much of an alignment. Their board doesn't have as much alignment as maybe a younger or fresher company. Probably sure. that makes sense. Yeah. So, how can I use dividends to prepare me for retirement? And then, how can I use dividends when I'm in retirement optimally? Sure. Great question. And it, it is so important for a lot of retirees or, or near retirees to to be able to plan this out. And you can actually plan out, you know, how much you need to invest in a dividend stock or a dividend fund to to pay those expenses, right? So for retirement planning, if you're let's say if you're you're going to have a thousand dollars in uh, in expenses each month that you want to pay with your dividend stocks, and you're getting a two percent yield, then uh, you just take the 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 amount you need, a thousand dollars, divided by that two percent. Now. Remember that that percentage, that annual yield is, well, it's an, on an annual basis, right? So you'd have to take the $1,000 times 12. So monthly, monthly $1,000 times 12 is $12,000 and then divide by that yield, which comes out to $600,000 you would need in those stocks to get that $1,000 yield. It's, it's a bit of a disappointment sometimes for investors how much you need in dividend stocks with those lower yields to, to make those payments. But it's something you're you're saving up and you're investing for your your well, entire life. So and it's very we're talking easy. about multiple streams of income. So this would just be one sure. stream, right? Obviously, hopefully you have a decent social security as well as you know you have other retirement assets that you're gonna be able to withdraw from to help cover you know your expenses and maybe mm -hmm. you know a side business, real estate income, whatever. And this could be just one way to augment your overall strategy. Sure, sure. But you know, yeah, it's and you can get higher yields. 4% is a very safe and reliable yield for, for a lot of companies that obviously, you know, halves the amount you would need to invest for just, so for just $300,000 invested in a 4% yield, you'd be making $1,000 a month every month. And again, they're, they're so reliable that you can, you can set your bills by them, really. So that part of the planning is very important. Within the retirement phase, then I, I would say that don't be afraid to spend down your money. I know a lot of investors, they say, well, I just want to live off my dividends. I never want to spend, you know, or sell stocks or, or spend any of that money. Well, you know, it's, it's half a dozen of one or, or six of the other, right? You're either taking money out of those dividends instead of reinvesting them, or you're selling some of that stock to, you know, to pay for expenses. So, you know, have a, have a, have a nice balance between selling some stock and taking some of that as dividends. Well, so that brings me to another question. How would this affect the 4% strategy? Would this be part of the 4% or is this in addition to, and I can reduce my 4% down to three or how would that work out? It's part of, it's part of the 4%. It really goes into, okay, how much is your, because again, we talked about in theory, then that your portfolio amount or that stock price should adjust lower when that dividend is paid. That's right. really the theory behind it. And a lot of times we'll see that while the stock price won't go down the entire amount of the dividend, it will come down a little bit sometimes. You know, so if you're taking those dividends, you are taking a percentage out of your entire portfolio or of that stock investing rather than you know, just letting it compound and letting it grow. So that is a part of the 4%. So if you've got a 4% yield across your entire portfolio and you take all those dividends out each year, then that's, that's basically your 4%. Gotcha. And I do know individuals who are working towards that strategy of having a stock portfolio that allows them to pay out 
roughly 4% or enough money to cover their their monthly expenses. And then they have other sources of income, social security or things like that. Maybe as they still have a side hustle or a side business, or they have a business that is still paying them. As you mentioned, John, it was you know, the multiple streams of income is really that I think that's the conversation more and more people are having about retirement now, instead of just having this massive stock portfolio that always, you know, can always withdraw 4% from. Yeah. Because it's not really the reality for uh, so many people, right? For so many of us, it's, you know, having just all your investments are going to be able to pay for everything you want to do in retirement is for fewer and fewer people, I I think out there. What what is it? And I can't remember what's the, what's the limit on actual income before it actually detracts from your social security. I think you can make up to like $1,700 a month before, before it, it, you know, lessens how much you make on social security, something like that. So, so yes, yeah, uh, yeah, side income, passive income always. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yeah, that's right. Right. If you have, if you have a job or you have some sort of other forms of income, real estate income, things like that, it eventually could will detract from your real estate payout. I thought you were talking about your payouts from your dividends detracting from your real estate. Oh, from, no. And I was like, wait a no. second. <laughs> no, you can, you can take capital gains. You can take capital gains. You can take dividend payments without it being counted as income, right? Because you know when you sell a stock, you pay capital gains taxes. When you receive a dividend, you pay you know, dividend taxes or taxes on that. But as long as you hold it, you know, more than 60 days, hold that stock for more than 60 days around the dividend payment. And for most people, you know, they're holding those dividend stocks for years, then it's taxed differently than income. It's not added to your income. So it's not necessarily counted as income in retirement. So you can get, you know, capital gains, you can get dividends in retirement, and they won't take away from your social security, the amount you receive. It's only of if you're making an income from, you know, from a side hustle or from some other thing that is actually counted as income. Right. Don't take my social security. <laughs> Which you did bring up a good point that this is this is the most likely the reality for the vast majority of us. We just saw a video on YouTube the other day that mentioned that individuals who are 55 and over have an average retire not average, I think it was the median retirement balance was 200 roughly $270,000. And so wow. you're these are individuals who are at or really close to retirement age and they don't have a whole lot saved and it's a huge percentage it's something I, I know it was above 25%. I know you're talking about zero saved. Oh yeah. For it was shocking. It was shocking. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, my my mom had zero when she, you know, started taking disability. But, but yeah, even that 270 though, even that 270,000 on, you know, the, the 4% rule, right. Is only about 11,000 a year. So that is less than a thousand dollars a month, you know, safely take out, of course, you know, whether, whether you can safely take it out or whether you need it to live is, is the reality. I think a lot of people are facing in and they're having to take out, you know, five or 6% a year. Yeah. This is why we keep talking about ways to earn more money and save and invest more. Exactly. Yes. That's why investing is a part of our theme, one of our themes and financial independence is a, is another one of our themes. So, Absolutely. so you seem to like, like, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> if, <laughs> if any of our listeners or watchers wanted to get more of Joseph Hogue, how would they do such a thing? Hey, get as much Joseph Hogue as you can. <laughs> uh, is that possible? Now, there's, there's a lot of me to go around. As I get, as I get older, there's more and more of me to go around. Sorry. <laughs> like uh, yeah. But which reminds me, I got to go running today. <laughs> I really got to go today. 
but no, I love, love for people to stop by the, the YouTube channel. It's called Let's Talk Money. Love for people to, to join the community there. It's a bow tie nation, even though I'm kind of not wearing the bow tie today. It's kind of relaxing <laughs> and just, yeah, ask me anything. You know, I'm always, always willing to share, share what I've learned. I actually, more than 20 years in the business, in the investment industry, I've worked venture capital, worked with private wealth management and equity analysis over, over about 20 years. And just love talking about, you know, investing and, and making your money work for you. Yeah. Just for context for our audiences, they know that we've been in different masterminds over the years and oh, we yes. were in a mastermind for a couple of years with Joseph. And we were in when you decided, you know, Hey, I'm going to focus on YouTube and I'm going to double down on it. And it was amazing to see you grow from, from pretty much nothing to just like skyrocketing. And how many followers do you have now on YouTube? I oh, can't wow. even keep it's, up anymore. It, can, it surprises me every, every day. I'm just over... Almost 600,000, actually, about wow. 594,000. Yeah, late to the game as usual, but started in 2017. And, no, but and, you focused uh, and you figured it out. Yeah. So, well, I, I think it's, it's important that it, that sense of community that you get yeah. from fa video face to face. And it's a great feeling to be able to reach out, not just in written words on, on a blog, but, you know, but face to face with YouTube. Yeah. And it's, it's been great. Yeah. So definitely for our listeners, if you have any more questions about investing of any kind, definitely check out Joseph's channel. It's definitely worth, worth the time. So thank you so much. talk for... about meme stocks every once in a while, though. <laughs> every once in a while. We, we all have to. You feel the urge. Everybody's got to do that SEO, David. <laughs> yeah. Don't criticize. <laughs> thank hate, you so much. Hate, what, what is it? Hate the game. Don't hate the player. Uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> yeah. We try to do that. We're not so good all the time. <laughs> Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you, Joseph, for a fun and informative interview. Thank you, our listeners and watchers for joining us for another episode. Here's your queer money takeaway from this episode. If dividend investing interests you and you want to build a portfolio of dividend stocks, do your homework. Crunch the numbers that Joseph mentioned in this particular episode. Then join us this Thursday for our new bonus series on the most affordable, most LGBTQ plus friendly city in each state. All 50, regardless of whether you like them or not. This week, we're talking about Texas. <laughs> Have a great week.